0: Hi everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. We're so glad you're here wherever you're at. Thanks for joining us for worship. I'm Jim and I serve as a pastor and the host for this experience today. If you're a guest, a special thanks. We have a gift for you to receive your gift. Check in with us and we'll send a Starbucks digital gift card out to you right away. Enjoy some brew on us. Today, we're continuing our series, The Way of Wisdom, as Pastor Spencer will lead us in the book of Proverbs as we see how God seeks to give us wisdom every day of our lives as we navigate this life. God desires the best for us. And so God has a message for all all of us today. And again, Pastor Spencer will lead us. If you'd like to go deeper into the message, go to sumc.co slash next. And we have more questions, discussion questions and more. So, please, uh, feel free to do that. And now, let's hear from Stephanie. She's gonna tell us more about what's going on here at Schweitzer.
1: Hi, I'm Stephanie. We're so glad you're with us today. It's July, which means it's time for VBS. And if you're looking for a place for your kids or yourself to be a part of a VBS, consider being a part of one of our VBS block parties that are happening this month. We have host sites here in Springfield and in Ozark, as well as one happening right here on campus, July 20th through the 22nd. You can find out more on our website at sumc.co/vbs. Sunday afternoon, August 1st, is going to be a fantastic day as we head to the Finley River for a cookout and a special time of baptism in the river, beginning at 5 p.m., if you're interested in taking this next step in your faith, or if someone in your family is interested in taking this next step in their faith, let us know by signing up at sumc.co next. On Wednesday, August 11th, Schweitzer is hosting the Last Blast of Summer event for kids of all ages. We're gearing up for a packed event as we cheer our students on into a new school year. We'll be collecting school supplies, and of course, we'll have games, hot dogs, and more. We need lots of volunteers to help us out with this community-wide event. Find out more at sumc.co slash summer. One last reminder, this Thursday, July 15th, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the Outreach Center, Schweitzer's hosting a blood drive please consider helping us out at this critical time. This is such a great way to show our support for our community. You can find out more and sign up at sumc.co slash next. Once again, welcome to worship and let's have a great Sunday morning.
0: Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks for keeping us connected. If you're worshiping with us live today, we have a chat feature. You can give us your insights and say hello to a friend, so feel free to do that. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, we have persons ready to pray with you. And now, today, let's uh, let's worship, let's engage with God, let's enjoy and celebrate worship together.
2: you from the storm
0: And now let's pray together. God gives us the gift of prayer as part of relationship with God and with others. Prayer shapes us personally and the lives around us and uh, the world. And so it's so important, again, crucial to our life with God and others in prayer. And in this series, we're diving into the book of Proverbs where God gives us instruction and wisdom. So I invite you to hear these words as we will then reflect over them. God loves us so much, He doesn't leave us alone to figure things out on our own. So hear these words as uh, we go into a time of prayer. Keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and to insight. You are my relative. And now let's pray together. Holy God and kind, kind father. We thank you for the gift of your word, your, your teaching, your instruction in our lives. We thank you that you are the good shepherd and that you give us written words, as well as insight people in our lives to help us through this life. We confess that we can become arrogant, confused, uh, selfish, and so much more. So help us to turn to you and and to look to your teaching and to your wisdom every day in our lives. Not just occasionally and uh, at special times, but help us to really recognize and turn to you in obedience and to your grace that gives us instruction every day. God, we are so grateful for who you are and your, again, your wisdom in our lives. Thank you, Lord. We love you, we praise you, and now let's pray together the prayer our Lord taught us long ago. Let's pray with humility, boldness, and confidence in saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, this is our opportunity to give back to God out of all that God gives to us. God is generous and cares and provides for us. We appreciate your response, your giving through faith and trust and obedience. It makes a real difference in the lives here on this campus and really in the region and around the world. Your giving really matters, coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can continue to give each week by going to our link, sumc.co slash give. Again, we so appreciate your generosity. Thanks so much.
3: friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. Today is part six of a series we're on called The Way of Wisdom. We are spending the summer months, June, July, August, exploring the teaching of wisdom in the Bible. Now, now when I say that word, word wisdom, I'm sure a lot of us hear a certain thing and I want to be clear about what we hear because sometimes when we use this word wisdom, we're talking about those like crossroad moments of life you know, I got to like make it a big decision. Do I go this way or this way? Do I choose that or that? Or like, what do I do here? Do I take that job or this other job? Do I, do I move my family? Do I not move my family? Do I marry this person or not marry this person? Do I go to this school or that school? There's all kinds of like crossroad decisions. And, and we face those kind of big decisions in life. A lot of times we say, I just, I just, I just need some wisdom to know what to do, to do, the, to do the right thing and make the best choice. And certainly that is wisdom, but wisdom in the Bible, the biblical teaching of wisdom is so much bigger than just the the crossroads kinds of moments in life because wisdom in the Bible is really about all the decisions we make because every single day comes the, the need for wisdom because wisdom is, is not just about the big stuff. It's about the everyday kinds of decisions it's about how am I going to live my life? That's the question of wisdom. How am I going to live my life? What's the right thing to do in day-to-day kinds of decisions that we have to make? What what are the values that I'm going to live by? What are the things that are going to be true for me? Like that's the question of of wisdom, of how am I going to live in these things? And those kinds of questions, they show up all the time, every single day. They show up in our relationships. They show up in our work. They show up in in how we use money. They show up in in the words that we use, how we speak about people, um, how we we handle stressful situations. Those kinds of of choices show up every single day. They're they're personal. They're everyday kinds of things. And today we're going to look at another one of those like everyday kinds of things, a very personal decision, very personal kind of navigation that we all have to make about a certain area of life. And today we're going to talk about a very specific area of life. We're going to talk about sex. I know, a little uncomfortable. It's okay. It's okay because I've learned that that one of uh, people's favorite things for the preacher to talk about is, is, is sex. It's like, they want to hear that from their preacher and, and maybe their mom, the, the two most po- comfortable people to hear this, this conversation from. But that's where we're going to go today. And we're going to do this because um, the Proverbs, this, this book about wisdom in the Bible, has a lot to say about sex. In fact, the Proverbs, it's 31 chapters long. Three of those chapters are devoted almost entirely to teaching the way of wisdom when it comes to sex. That's like 10% of the book is devoted to this. And so we're going to cover this today because it, it's a, such a lengthy part of the Proverbs. We need to learn about this from the, from the way of wisdom, because let's be honest, there's quite a few of us who are not practicing wisdom when it comes to sex. We're practicing foolishness. But another reason we need to, to have this conversation is because our culture talks about sex a lot, like all the time. And 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 so many of us are being formed by what the culture says about sex instead of thinking biblically about what does the Lord want for us? How has the Lord designed this? And what is the Lord's um, will for us? And by the way, that's really the question of wisdom. Like what does the Lord want for us? And so we're gonna wrestle through this today and 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 uh and think about this when it comes to sex. What does the Lord want for us? Now, as we go through this today, we're gonna read from three chapters in Proverbs. 5, 6, and 7, Right, uh, 10% of this book, 31 chapters, three chapters here, we're going to read almost 10% of the book. I'm not going to read all of these chapters to you, I'm going to break it up a little bit as I go, Um, but I want you to get the big picture of what we're reading here, and um, I'm just going to read through it straight, Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, you know, cutting a little bit out here or there to save time. Um, No commentary from me, which is hard for me to do, I'm just going to read it straight to you, and then on the other side of that, I want to make three observations, um, three points Uh, From what we're reading today, we're going to have a word about perspective, um, then we're going to share some thoughts about the wisdom of no, and then we'll look at the wisdom of yes. And um, the other thing as we get into this, you should know is that what we're about to talk about is not like an exhaustive conversation when it comes to sex. We could do a multi week series about this and still not have enough to say because there's so much to talk about, so much biblical teaching that we could spend time on. And so this is not like going to cover everything, but we're going to look here. Um, at this this message and, and what it is that the way of wisdom teaches us. What does the Lord want for us when it comes to sex? So Proverbs chapter five, here's how it goes. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. To verse 8, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. And at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. To verse 15, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets and your streams of water in the public square, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always and may you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why my son be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord and he examines all your paths. Now to chapter six, we're gonna start in verse 23. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And correction and instruction are the way to life, keeping you from your neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of a wayward woman. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes, uh, to verse 27. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished, to verse 32. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whatever he does, does so, whenever, whoever does so destroys himself, blows in disgrace or his lot, and in his shame will never be wiped away. To chapter seven, verse four. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman. Turn the wayward woman with, turn from the wayward woman with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark, night, dark of night set in, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. And with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her, like an ox going to the slaughter. Like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierced, pierces his liver. Like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. That's about a third of the Proverbs. Now, we cut some out, but it's a lengthy, lengthy teaching here from the Proverbs about how we think about sex. And so, to unpack this, um, let's talk about three points here. We're going to talk about perspective, the wisdom of no. And then the wisdom of yes. And so we'll start with this word about perspective because you you probably noticed as we read through here that this is written from the perspective of a parent to their son. And so does that mean then that this is written just for sons and not also for daughters? Well, of course not. This is written for for everybody because the choice of wisdom is for all of us to make. And and for some of us, though, as we read through this, I'm, I'm sure you caught how this woman, though, was described I mean, she was described as a, as a seductress. She was leading him astray. Like he was the simple one and she was planning his failure. She was leading him towards folly. And, and some of us probably heard this and it, and it may have upset us a little bit because, because we think about how maybe we've been called or, or maybe we've seen how women have, have been talked about sometimes where sometimes women, there's a double standard where women bear more of the blame for sexual sin sometimes than, than men do. I mean, I think about some terms we use. I think about, for instance, we say things like the other woman or sometimes we call a woman a wrecker. And I don't know of similar terms that people use for men. Maybe you do. You can email me. I don't. I can't think of similar terms we use for men. Like like if if if, if a man is 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 uh, playing around like that, we we sometimes say like like men will you know boys will be boys. Or or if a promiscuous man, we call him a player. But but women, there's all kinds of other words we use, which I won't say right now. There's all kinds of other words we we use uh, to describe a woman who might be promiscuous. Like there's a bit of a, a, a double standard here. So as we read through here and we we see this perspective, it's written to from a parent to their sons. This isn't to say that this isn't also for daughters, because this is for all of us. Because all of us are responsible for the choices that we make. And it's not someone else who, who causes us to be foolish. It's, it's, it's all of us. We all have a decision to make, a choice to make. Are we going to be wise or are we going to be foolish? Are we, are we going to be wise and follow what the Lord has for us? Are we going to be foolish and do whatever it is that we want to do? This is the choice that, that all of us have. And so to talk about this choice between wisdom and, and foolishness, I want to talk about the two kinds of wisdom we see expressed in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. And I'm calling these two kinds of wisdom the wisdom of no and the wisdom of yes. So let's talk about this. We'll start with the wisdom of no. The wisdom of no. That is, that is the wisdom of, of practicing restraint. It's the wisdom of, of saying no to to impulses and desires and temptations that are outside of what God has for us is to practice the, the wisdom of restraint, to say, to say no at the right kind of time. Because when I don't say no, there's destruction that, that follows. I think about, for instance, Proverbs 6, what we read here. Let me read it to you one more time. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. And then I love this verse. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So does he who sleeps with, with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Like there is a clear warning here that when you wander away from what the Lord has designed for us, Then there's destruction that follows. This is, this is how this works, that the Lord has designed sex to be, to be contained within this, uh, this covenant of, of marriage between a man and his, and a wife and, and how they come together for, for a covenant of a lifetime together. And this, this container of marriage is, is what God has designed, this boundary that God has designed. And anytime we start to live outside of that design, we start to say yes to the wrong kinds of things. Well, then there's going to be destruction. And I, and I realize that as I say that, it sounds so incredibly old-fashioned. I realize that. I realize that some of us listening are like, really? This is what we're teaching? Because it's 2021. Don't we know better by now? Like this is this isn't still what we think, is it? That that sex is just for for a man and his wife and in, in marriage. Like this is this is still it? I mean, surely we know better by now. So some people would hear this like classic. Christian understanding of, of sex, the sexual ethic of Christians, and think to themselves, well, it's not just old-fashioned. It's actually repressive. Or others might say it's oppressive, as if as if human uh, flourishing. And, and what it means to be fully human is to also be fully sexually active, however you want to define that on your own terms. But, but really what, what Christians have always insisted on is that, is that there is this design that God has created. And when we're outside of that design, there's there's destruction. There's destruction. And so some people might call it this teaching repressive or oppressive. Others in our culture might just call it foolish. It's foolish to live like this. I mean, think about it. Think about like a young couple who choose to do the really very countercultural thing to wait until they're married. They don't live together. They don't sleep together. This like they they wait until, until marriage. And some people would 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 see that couple and and they're what they would describe them They'd say they're fools. They're fools to live like that because how do they know if they have sexual chemistry, which is a real thing people talk about, or or how do they know that they're compatible and will be able to live together if they haven't already lived together? Like how would they know that? Even though, by the way, many studies have shown a correlation between cohabitation and later divorce. Like there's there's a there's a sh- a study, There's correlation that's been shown to that, but, but this is how our, our culture might look at this and just call them fools. And I, and I think there's this, like this myth out there, and I especially see it among, among Christians, that there's this myth out there. It's like, you know, it's okay to, to believe in that, like this container, that sex for this container of marriage, but you know what it is easier like in Bible times than it is today. Like it was okay for them back, back then in Bible times to, to live like this and to think that this is what God wanted. But today, oh my gosh, it's so much harder. Surely these are not the same standards we still would say is the way to wisdom. As if, as if somehow our culture is it's different now than, than it used to be. So, but, but the reality is that the Christian sexual ethic, this teaching that we've had has, has always been countercultural. Let me give you a really good example of this. So we're going to go to another place in the Bible. Bible times by the way and we'll go to 1 Corinthians 6 because 1 Corinthians 6 is like an incredibly clear Christian teaching about sex and how it's practiced and uh what God's designed for it for is and it's a very clear teaching 1 Corinthians um is a is a letter that was written to some Christians who lived in a town called Corinth and before we get there I want to talk a little bit about Corinth because This is Bible times. I want you to understand what the Christians would have been facing, these very first Christians, what what would they have been facing that had been so countercultural for them? So Corinth, three things about Corinth. First, Corinth was a a port city. So imagine, use your imagination, what a port city might be like. Sailors coming in and out all the time. This is the the major uh, major, uh, uh, economic activity of the city, all kinds of port activity going on. Corinth is also a boom town. It's not very old and it's exploded in growth very quickly. And boom towns kind of have a way of getting out of control. There's a way, a reason why we called it the, the Wild West, right? These boom towns can kind of get out of control. Third, Corinth is a Greek city, meaning that people worshipped the Greek gods. And every Greek city had a one main god that they worshipped. It was a different god in each different city, kind of like a patron god that they would have. And do you know who Corinth's uh, patron god was? It was the goddess Aphrodite. She's the goddess of sex. It's where we get the word aphrodisiac. And do you know how you worship Aphrodite? Well, you don't like come to a room and sing songs. No, no, no. You go to her temple and you hire a prostitute. This is the context of Corinthians. This is what the first Christians were facing when the world around them. And so Paul writes them this letter and probably there's no more than 50 people who believe in Christ and are trying to live for him in this, in this city where it is very different. And so let me read to you what Paul writes. I'm going to start in verse nine here. Paul writes this. He says, do not be deceived. He says, he says, neither the, the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you were, but you were washed. You were were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Like there's a basic point that Paul's making here. It's like the culture might be going this way, but you belong to Christ. And because you belong to Christ, you're not going to live in the same way that everyone around you is going to live and have the same values that everyone around you is going to have. You've been, you've been brought into something new. You've been, you've been cleansed and washed and justified, and you've been brought into this new kind of life. So you don't belong to the culture anymore. You belong, belong to Christ. He goes on. He says, he says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. And I want you to notice in what we just read, this phrase, you say, because Paul here is quoting them. <laughs> this is something you say. You say, I have the right to do anything. And Paul's like, oh, okay, not everything's beneficial. Like, not everything's wise. Not everything ends up well for you. You may have the right to do anything, but not everything works for you. And then another thing you say, you say food for the stomach and stomach for the food, which is a, a way of saying that the purpose of the body is to be satisfied. If you're hungry, you eat. If you're thirsty, you drink. If you're tired, you sleep. You apply the same logic to sex. And this is how the, the people in uh, Corinth lived. This is the people around them. And so he goes on, he says, the body, however, is not meant for sexual morality. It's not just meant to be satisfied, but rather it's meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? That's referencing Aphrodite's temple. He says, never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said that two will become one flesh. I quote from Genesis. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. It says, flee from sexual morality. Flee, run away, keep away from it. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. There's this like myth out there that sometimes we hold on to that is like, you know, it's one thing in Bible times for people to believe that sex is for this design of marriage only. But then I read something about, about this teaching here and I think about what it was like in Corinth and I think how countercultural it has always been for Christians to hold to this teaching. It's always been this way and always will be this way. It's, it's, it's a way that Christians have consistently pushed against the cultures that they live in and said, no, 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 no. there is another way. There is another way that the Lord has given us and, and this is the path of wisdom. But what happens is when we choose to go our own path and we choose to ignore what the Lord has taught us, it, it leads to destruction because that's what foolishness brings in our life is destruction. I can't tell you how many couples that I know personally whose marriage has ended because of porn addictions. Someone said yes when they should have said no. I I can't tell you how many couples I've sat with who have struggled through infidelity because someone said yes when they should have said no. I I can't tell you how, how many couples I know who who maybe didn't have sexual um, intimacy but formed emotional intimacy with someone outside of their marriage and their marriage ended because of this. Like I've I've seen it, you've seen it, we've all seen it. Like this is what happens when we say yes to the things that we should have been saying no to. Because the way God has designed this and has created this is that, is that there is this container, this, this boundary that He has made for us to live within. And when we begin not get to live outside of that, we we live in foolishness. When we live in foolishness, we bring destruction. This is the the choice that we make, which leads me then to the wisdom of yes. Because the reason we say no to things that are outside of that boundary of marriage is so that we can say yes to God's blessing within it. The the blessing that God has given us, because because, um, the Lord has this strong teaching that That while sex is is meant for this boundary of marriage, there is a a, a blessing about this. I think about what we read in Proverbs chapter chapter 5. A very positive message towards sex. Listen to what Proverbs 5 taught us one more time. Let me read it to you. It said, drink water from your own cistern. Running water from your own well. This is poetry. We're not actually talking about cisterns and wells here. Wink, wink. We're talking about something else. Should your springs overflow in the streets your streams of water in the public squares. Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with, with her love, with her. There is this like, overwhelming positive message here, this, this blessing towards sex that we have in, in this teaching, and did you catch the key to it? Several times through those verses, we read that those phrases like your own, or never to be shared, because, because this is meant to be shared between a husband and his wife, and, and this is the, the relationship that we have, and when it's contained in that relationship, there is this positive message, this blessing of sex. Too often Christians are known for what we're against instead of what we're for. Too often we're known for our messages of restraint, which are so incredibly important. But at the same time, we should also be known for our positive messages about sex because Christians are, are not against sex or like really, really, really for it. And we believe so strongly in sex and so, so, so much in its blessing and, and the goodness of it that we want to, to protect it and to maintain it and to keep it from becoming cheap. Because as soon as it, it moves beyond the relationship of that marriage covenant, that's what happens. It becomes, it becomes cheap. The blessing of sex is that when it's shared between two people in a lifetime committed relationship, it's more than just the physical act. It's the relationship, it's the intimacy, it's the trust that's built. It's the connection that two people have. It's so much more than just the physical act at that point. And this is what, what is, is, is given to us. And the Bible has this overwhelmingly positive message about sex. It's not just that we're not against sex. Christians are really, really, really for sex. I mean, I think about this. There's a whole book in the Bible that is devoted to erotic poetry. Did you know that? It's called Song of Songs, go read it. I'm not gonna read it right now, but go read it. Song of Songs, it's a whole book that's erotic poetry. Or I think about the, the first things that the Bible says to, to humans is a positive message. It's a blessing about sex. Think back to with me, Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible. The Bible opens and, and in Genesis chapter one, God is creating the heavens and the earth. And you remember how God speaks and, and uh, the earth, the, the light comes about and, and the days go on through through the days of creation and God creates the, the land from the sea, the sky, the, the, the animals, the birds, the reptiles, all these things be created over these six days of creation. On the sixth day of creation, though, God creates the pinnacle of creation, which is is humans. And do you remember what God said to humans? The first thing God said to humans, let me read it to you. It's Genesis chapter one, verse 27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Notice we just read that word image twice. Twice we were said to be created in the image of God. Like we have been given a sense of of spirituality. We've been given a sense of purpose and meaning that that we search for something more in life, that we're not just satisfied with what is. We have this like longing for something deeper, which separates us from the animals around us because I mean, dogs don't sit around thinking about where their life is going. No, 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 this is what humans do. Like we think about these kinds of things because we've been created the image of God. And then notice it, it said male and female, he created them. We've been created with both spirituality and sexuality. And then it keeps going here. Verse 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. The, the first words that God speaks to humans, it's not a command. It's not a thou shalt go and do something. It's a, it's a blessing and it's a, it's a blessing towards, towards sex. This is what God has has given us, this gift that he's given us, and it is so powerful and so good and so holy that to practice it outside of what he's designed is to cheapen it. I mean, the way of wisdom, it calls us to understand what does the Lord want for us? How has he created us? What does he want for us in our life? And, And how are we supposed to live? And so from the very beginning of the Bible on through the pages, there is this blessing, this positive message that God has given us this gift of sex, but when we practice it outside of his design, it, it leads to foolishness, it leads to folly, it leads to destruction. The reason we practice restraint, the reason we say no to the wrong things is so we can say yes to the right things. So we can live into the blessing that God has given us. Like this is the choice between wisdom and foolishness. It's the choice to live into what God has for us and store for us and to not cheapen what he has by saying yes to all the wrong kinds of things. So let me ask you a very personal question today. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. You don't need to come forward. Obviously you're watching online, so you're not gonna come forward, but you know, this is between you and the Lord, but just a personal question for you. Have you been living the way of wisdom when it comes to your sex life? Have you been living into this wisdom of restraint Of saying no to the things that you need to say no to so that you can say yes to what God has for you? Or have you been cheapening sex by saying yes to the wrong kinds of things? And friends, there's all kinds of ways that we do that. It's not just that we go having an affair with someone that we cheapen what it is that God has given us. It's when our eyes are out of control and, and we have lust for all kinds of people around us. Or it's what we look at on our screens and what websites we visit. It's, it's, it's maybe bonds that we form for people with boundaries we maybe shouldn't have. There's all kinds of ways that we, that we say yes when we should be saying no. But the reason we say no is so that we can say yes to what God has for us, this, this blessing that he has for us. So there's all kinds of ways. There's all kinds of choices that we have to make, all kinds of ways that God is inviting us into this way of wisdom of understanding the, the boundaries that he's created for us to live. And if this sounds old-fashioned, if it sounds out of step with culture, if it sounds like I'm offering something that's repressed or oppressive and because it's not how we understand the world today, well, I think back to something that Jesus said because Jesus talked about two ways of life. And he said that there was two paths that people could take in life. There was a narrow path and a wide path. And the wide path was what many people walked on and it was the way that led to destruction but there was a narrow path that led to life and he said few find it. May you be one who walks on the narrow path out of step at times with what maybe the wider world is going to say but living into the way of wisdom for you. Let's pray together. Father we thank you for this uh, teaching that you give us about the way of, of wisdom and foolishness. May we be those who choose to follow you and what you have designed for us. When in reality, there's all kinds of ways that sometimes we cheapen what it is that you've given us. We say yes when we should be saying no. And so would you challenge us and call us to live in in the way of wisdom, the way of the wise who choose to live according to what you have for us. If there are specific areas in our life that we need to bring before you, maybe websites, maybe our eyes, maybe relationships, places that we've been cheapening this, Lord, would you challenge us to repent and to turn to you so we might walk on the narrow path. Father, we give you thanks that no matter where we've been or what we've done or what our life has looked like, you bring us back to you over and over again because your grace and your mercy is never ending. Always inviting us back to the way of wisdom. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Thanks
0: everybody for worshiping. Thanks to Stephanie for keeping us connected to the worship team for leading us. Spencer for the message today. And if you have somebody that you know that could benefit from this message, could use some encouragement, share it on social media. Thanks for doing that. And we look forward to seeing you back next week for week seven. Have a great week. God bless you. See you next week.